All right, 1 Samuel chapter 23, please. 1 Samuel 23, it sure is a privilege to uh, be at the Bible Baptist Jubilee. And I want to say that I thank God for uh, this church, uh, the Bible Baptist Church. Thank God for this place, letting us have it here. But thank God for Pastor Gravely and the Bible Baptist Church, our church, Walters Grove Baptist Church in Lexington. Uh, shares a special relationship with Bible Baptists, and we do a lot of things together. And just thank God for them. All the, the lady, I'm not sure who's in here. I'm sure a lot of them are me million different places doing a million different things, but we sure do thank God for all of them. Brother Gravely gave me 15 minutes, but I told him I'd take my ministry a little more seriously than that, and uh, so he said I got 10. Now, um, so we better get started, all right? First Samuel chapter 23. Why don't you just go ahead and be seated, I think, if, that, if that's all right, uh, because I may read a little bit and comment just a little bit. God's had me in a study of uh, the life of Saul uh, in the last uh, last year or so, and uh, it's turned into several messages, a little series, and uh, at the church. And I tell you, it's been one of the most convicting studies that I've ever done. The reason being because uh, Saul, I see so much of Saul and me, me and Saul. Not sure exactly the way that works, but I see so much of that, and uh, so convicting. He was a selfish man. He was a lazy man. He was uh, a prideful man. And um, I see a lot of those things uh, in my own life. He was plagued with apathy. He was plagued with jealousy. He was plagued with insecurity. And uh, a lot of those things will flare up in our life if we, if we don't watch it. And there's so many practical truths. I've never studied any easier for, a, for a messages than I did for these messages. So they literally just jumped off of the page and stabbed my heart. And uh, I want to share just a little bit of that with you. We're going to be in chapter 23 and also uh, chapter 24. Let me read several verses here. We're going to start in verse number 1. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 23 verse 1, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord yet again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And he was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand. For he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, 
he will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Now I'm not preaching on this, but I think it's amazing how quick a group of people can go from uh, appreciating your help uh, to delivering you up to the hand of the people are fickle. Can I get a witness right there? David was their savior, but then, of course, God told them that they would, in fact, if he were to stay there, they would have delivered him up. Verse 13, just a few more verses. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah and he forbear to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. I think we'll stop reading right there. As we study the life of Saul, we cannot help but compare Saul to David. In fact, we're not the one who started that comparison God is the one who started that comparison. In chapter 15, when Saul did not fully obey the command of God in wiping out all of the Amalekites, one of the judgments upon the life of Saul was that the kingdom was going to be rent from him. And here's what God said through Samuel. It was going to be given uh, to someone that is better, a neighbor that is better than you. Better than thou. That is a statement from God. God is the one that made the comparison. And so when we begin to compare Saul and David, it seems like David is everything that Saul is not. David has a heart for God. Saul does not. David has a touch of God and an anointing of God on his life that is evident. Saul does not. David seeks the will of God, but Saul does not. David wants to honor God and honor the Lord with his life. Saul does not. David is a man after God's own heart. Saul is a man after his own flesh. And the lesson becomes very clear for us when we compare these two very different kings living on the inside of one kingdom. And that dilemma should be familiar to all of us since every one of us have two very different kings living on the inside of one kingdom. Uh, On one hand, we have that old rejected king. He is that first king. He's the one that showed up first. He is after the flesh. He is earthly. Uh, He wants to do his own will and do his own thing. That king has been rejected of God. But aren't you glad one day God put a new king in your kingdom? And he is everything that first king is not. He's that second king. You got that when you got your second birth. Amen. God always put his hand and blessed that second. He always blessed, he always blessed that second, second birth. You can find that in the Bible. But uh, uh, David is that one blessed of God. And we got two kings living on the inside of one kingdom. The Bible tells us that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. 
And so this battle that we have between David and Saul, really it is a, a, a picture, an allegory, if you will, of, of, the own, of our own battles and struggles that we have going on on the inside. There's a part of you that has a heart for God, but it's not the flesh. There's a part of you that's got a touch of God. The spirit inside of you has got a touch of God, but the flesh does not. The spirit inside of you seeks to do the will of God and wants to please God and honor God, but your flesh does not. Does anybody else have problems with your flesh in here trying to get it to go along with what God wants to do? And we will live with this tension every day of our lives until Jesus comes one day and one day he's going to redeem our vile, wretched bodies. Amen. One day this robe of flesh will drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize. Amen. Thank God for that. But until that day, there's a struggle. There is a battle between these two kings that is going on. One of the most vital skills, one of the most val valuable and vital uh, uh, skills that uh, is lacking in your flesh is this one that I want to emphasize and highlight in the text today, and that is spiritual discernment. There's a part of you that cannot, will not, never will be able to discern the will of God and what God is doing. It cannot discern the will of God. It cannot discern the works of God. And it certainly cannot ever discern the ways of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. That word judge simply means to be able to make a distinction, be able to judge between two different things, to be able to discern, to, to, to distinguish things. The spiritual is able to judge all things. There is a spiritual discernment that is there. The carnal man, your flesh can guess and it can hope and it can think and it can follow somebody else and it'll compare your life to somebody else and then it'll doubt and then it'll worry and it'll wonder and it'll struggle and it'll wrestle but there's a spiritual man inside of you that does none of those things it knows what is going on God put a king inside of you that knows what's up and knows what's going on. It's amazing as I study the life of Saul. And of course David comes into the life of Saul. And so we see them interacting one with another. And it's amazing to me how that David was always in the know. David always knew what was going on. And Saul was always in the dark. He was always ten steps behind David. He, never, he had the men. He had the manpower. He had the intelligence. He had the kingdom. He had the title. He had the position but he couldn't hunt down this little this little insignificant man and his little ragtag group of merry men he couldn't find them he's always looking for them Saul never knew what was going on but it's amazing how David hiding in a cave or hiding in the wood or hiding with the enemy or hiding anywhere anyway he always knew what was going on Saul never could find them but David bumped into Saul several times 
Saul plotted to kill David, but then Jonathan told him what was going to go on. Saul plotted again to kill David and sent men to his house. But then Michael, the, the daughter of Saul, David's wife, told him what was going on. God even sent uh, David a prophet just out of nowhere. A man of God pops up out of the blue and says, Hey, it's time to move. You need to get to Judah over here. And even in our text, the Bible says in verse number 9, and I want you to underline this, chapter 23, verse 9, the Bible says that David... David knew. Isn't it always amazing how David knows there's always somebody telling him, somebody's warning him, God's talking to him, a preacher's coming out of the woods somewhere to tell him where to go. David is always in the know. But I want you to contrast that with Saul. In fact, go back to chapter number 22 and verse number 8. And Saul's sitting under this tree, mad as the devil himself, at all of his servants. And he's yelling at them. And he says, you've all conspired against me. And there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with you, the son of Jesse. David always knows what's going on. Saul's over here saying, nobody will show me anything. Nobody tells me nothing. He said, I'm always looking, I'm always wondering and guessing and, and wondering what's going on. But can I tell you, listen, your flesh has to live that way because it is cut off from God. It is isolated from God. It has no discernment. It has no direction at all. It always wonders and guesses and moves around in the dark. And I think this is good. What are other people doing? What are they going? What are they saying? But David always knew where to go. And David always knew what to do. God put a king inside of you that knows what is up. And he knows what's going on. This is a cat and mouse game of hide and seek. Information and intel is the most valuable thing that you can have. And David always had the upper hand. Saul was always left scratching his head, wondering what was going on. Saul, all the, and read it, the only information Saul ever got is where David had been. But the information that David got is where Saul was going to be. Isn't that amazing? Only thing Saul could, he heard about where David was. By the time he got there, it was done too late. But David always knew where Saul, he always knew what was going on in the future. Because David was that one who had communion with God. When Abiathar, the only priest that was able to escape the slaughter in Nob that day, when, when, when Abiathar got there, he brought that ephod with him. And I tell you, David communed with God. He had holy communion with God. He had a relationship with God. He had fellowship with God. And because because of that, he had discernment in his life. David always knew where to go and what to do. God was moving him and telling him and showing him and protecting his life. Saul had cut off this communication through disobedience, lack of repentance. And when he did that, in so doing, he cut off his ability to discern God's movements. In fact, at the end of Saul's life, we'll find that this drove Saul so insane and drove him so crazy. When he could not hear from heaven, he decided to try hell instead. And he went to the witch of Endor because he had to know what was going on. And that's the way it is with our lives, my friend. 
As long as you live your life by the flesh, you're, you're left to guess what's right. You'll be clueless. You won't see obvious danger in front of you. Have you ever seen somebody and you know they're walking the wrong way? You can see it. You know maybe a young person and they're making bad decisions and they're making wrong choices and they're making bad movements and you, know, and you want to shake them and say, Can't you see what is going on? The truth is they can't. Because when you live in the flesh, you can't see it. You are, you are driven. You, 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 you're, 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 you, you've yielded yourself to obey the flesh. And that is your master. And, and with that master comes no information, no discernment. You can't see obvious danger in front of you. You will miss out on God's best for your life. All because you don't even know what it is when it shows up. I want to look at Saul, and I want to preach on this just for a minute. I want to preach on the king who didn't know. The king who did not know. And that certainly is Saul. Let me show you three things that Saul did not know and he couldn't quite figure out. Number one, Saul did not know the conception of his longings. The conception of his longings. And what I mean by that is this, is that Saul could not figure out where his desires were coming from. Saul could not discern and he could not distinguish between this is what I want and this is what God wants. How many of you know what it's like to struggle with that feeling? Is this what I want or is this what God wants? I want you to notice that, notice a few things in the text here. And I want you to see that in verse number 7, it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. Again, Saul can only find out about what David has done. He's operating in the natural, in the realm of the natural. And so he only knows what has been done. And Saul was told that David had come to Keilah. Now David had went there to be a blessing. He went there to deliver these people out of the hand of the Philistines. They were being plagued by the Philistines. That's amazing. There's a contrast here between Saul and David. If you were to read the verses previous, and we did that, where David, before he made a movement, before he did anything, he consulted God. He said, Lord, do you want me to go help those people? God said, yes. All of his men around him said, David, uh, that's a bad idea. We're not safe here. We certainly are not going to be safe there. We don't need to do that. So you know what David did? He went and prayed again. That's not a bad idea. Go pray again when you're not sure what to do. He went and prayed again and God told him again, yes, that's what you need to do. And so David, to the exclusion of all other advice and all other counsel, he moved forward because he had discernment. He had a connection that Saul did not have and that nobody else really had. And so he moved forward and he went to help these people. Saul finds out that there. Now, Keilah was a city that had walls and it was a walled city. And so when Saul heard that David was there, here's what he said. Notice what Saul says in verse 7. God hath delivered him into my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. You know what Saul said? Saul said, listen, here he is. This is our chance to get David right here. And God has delivered him into my hand. The only problem is, look over in verse number 14, look at the end of verse 14, it says, but God delivered him not into his hand. It's almost like Saul said, look what God's blessed me with, look what God's given me, look what God's doing for me. And the narrator says, but God isn't doing those things for you. 
God's delivered him into my hand. The narrator says, but God didn't deliver him into his hand. Saul ain't got a clue. He don't know what's up. And that's not, God didn't do that. God didn't give David to Saul. That's not what God had done, but that's what Saul said. And that's what Saul, I believe, really thought God had done. You know, the flesh always assumes and presumes on God's blessings and approval only when it lines up with what it already wants to do. Saul assumed God was on his side when really he was just doing what he wanted to do. Isn't that amazing how people do it? They just do what they want to do and then they say, well, God gave me look, God gave me this job. He didn't give you a job if it takes you away from God. God gave, God gave me this boy. Look, God gave me this girl. They didn't give it. God didn't have nothing to do with that. If they're taking you away from God, if it ain't in God's will, if it's not God's timing, God didn't do Look, God gave me this and God's moving me here. Man, people pull that card out all the time. God's moving me here and God's giving me with that. When that you just want to look at them and say, why don't you just be honest? And, and you hadn't talked to God. You don't know God. You wouldn't know God if he's standing in the middle of a field. The name tag said, my name is God. That's what you want to do, and you just want to put his name on it. There's a difference. Amen. Isn't it amazing how God's always in what you want to do, but if you don't want to do it, God ain't in it? Wow. Man, that's a great coincidence right there. Isn't that something? Let me tell you something. If the God that you serve, if he's always for everything you want to do and always against everything you don't want to do, if he's always for everything you like and against everything you don't like, if he's always for the people you like and against all the people you don't like, can I tell you, you're probably not serving God. You're probably just serving yourself. Your God's probably just you. Yeah, man. Just because it's there, just because it's available, that doesn't mean God's in it. Availability does not equal approval. Just because David was there in a walled city, that not mean God had anything to do with giving him to Saul. Because what's amazing is at the end of this chapter, David is finally, Saul finally has David surrounded. You can read it. I'm not going to take time to go there. In chapter 23, Saul has David surrounded. He's going to get him. This is it. Our hero's going down. Saul, the bad guy, is going to win. This is the end of the line for David. And then all of a sudden, before they close in, a messenger comes to Saul with a, with a message, and it says, hey, the Philistines are attacking. You know what Saul has to do? Saul has to turn his men around, and he's got to go deal with these Philistines. Now, what's amazing to me is that when it looked like everything was lining up just great, Saul said, God has delivered David into my hand. But when the circumstances changed and everything wasn't going so great, Saul never said, well, I guess God is with David and God has delivered David now from my hand. See, God was only for the thing Saul wanted and and when, when it was something Saul didn't like and didn't want, God was nowhere near it. Hey, we've got to guard ourselves against that. Availability does not equal approval just because it's available, just because it's there, just because it looks like it's lined up, just because your flesh wants it, don't mean that's what God's... Listen, we don't need to ask God to bless what we're doing. We need to do what God's blessing. 
Many times we get our own list, we get our own ideas and what we want to do, and then we ask God's blessing like it's some little fairy blessing sprinkled dust that God's going to put on all of our plans. That ain't the way this thing works. Find out what God's doing and go that way. Amen. <laughs> Just because it's there don't mean God is for it. But Saul didn't know that. He, he confused them. He conflated them. He, he, could, he didn't know what was his or what was God's. He didn't know what God was doing. He just wanted everybody else to, around him to think that he was spiritual and doing God's will even when he was after his own personal, crazy, sinful, wicked uh, motives and vendetta and, and jealous rage that he had. Just because it's there don't mean God's in it. Knock on the door one time and... <laughs> Invite, just inviting the guy to church. And uh, I, I don't even think I went through the gospel with him or anything. It didn't really get that far. I just, just invited him to church. We'd love to have you. And all of a sudden, he wanted to pull some obscure verse out of, Gen- out of creation, the chapters in Genesis. He's like, what do you think about them herbs, man, in, uh, uh, in Genesis, in creation? What do you think about them herbs? Well, I know what he thought about them. He wanted to talk about them herbs. God made them herbs, so it's okay to smoke them because God made them. Yeah, God made the Grand Canyon too. I don't mean you can jump off into it. I mean, just because it's there. The only herbs I'm interested in is whatever KFC, them 11 herbs and spices. Amen. That's, praise God. Sign me up for that. Amen. You want to talk about, and people, you, that they just, no, God has nothing to do with you getting high on marijuana. Amen. He wants to smoke it. And so he tried to find him a little Bible verse to make him feel better about it. Yeah, man. He's probably living in Colorado somewhere now, I'm sure. And then we get down to verse number 21, and this man comes to Saul to give him some information about where David had been. <laughs> and Saul looks at him and says, Blessed be ye of the Lord. Oh, you're so blessed. Why, why, why is this man such a blessed man of God? Well, because you've had compassion on me. See, what, how you feel about me and how you help me, that's how I determine whether you're spiritual or not or whether you're of God or not. And the flesh, it can only discern right and wrong and good and bad by how things line up with its desires. It vilifies anybody that tries to challenge their position. And then it'll christen everyone that agrees with their position. If you don't agree with me, you're the devil. You're just the devil trying to get behind me, Satan, because you're trying to discourage me to live in sin. You know, it's the, we're the devil. Maybe, maybe you're the devil. Amen. Some only hear what they want to hear. Amen. And they think, they already know what they want to do. They got it settled in their heart. And then they'll, they'll pick apart anything out of a message or out of a song or out of a rainbow or a bird in the sky or whatever. Oh, that's God's blessings on what I already want to do. Heard about a guy that went to uh, the old man, 90 years old, went to the doctor, wasn't feeling too well. And the next day, that doctor was in the park and he saw this man what, the day before, he was in the office. He wasn't feeling good. He was tired. He was wheezing. He was, but that day, he was strolling. I mean, almost briskly walking in the park. And not only that, but he had a beautiful young lady on his arm. The doctor's confused. Like, man, he's about to die in my office yesterday. 
The doctor went up to that old man and he said, Sir, what are you doing? How are you feeling so much better today? And the man said, Hey, doc, I took your advice. The doctor was scratching his head wondering what advice he gave him. And the man said, Didn't you tell me to find a hot mama and be cheerful? And the doctor said, No, I said, You got a heart murmur. Be careful. Some people just hear what they want to hear. And they're looking for somebody to give him just some little glimpse of something. That'll give them the green light to do what they already want to do. Yeah, man. That's your flesh. He's the king who didn't know. He didn't know the conception of his own longings. He didn't know where they were conceived, where they came from. Let me show you something else. Let's go into chapter 24 just for a second. I'm almost done. I'm going to get through these. He, he didn't know the conviction of his Lord. I mean, I don't know what conviction is. I call it a painful blessing. <laughs> what a blessing it is when God says, hey, that's wrong. That's a, that, that's a blessing. To be able to discern when God is convicting you, correcting you for what you have done or what you're doing or what you're about to do. It's one of the greatest blessings you'll ever have in your life. Quench not the Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Don't ignore the... If you've got an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. 24, chapter 24 unveils a very interesting scenario I told you that Saul couldn't find David if he wanted to, and he did want to. But David just kept bumping into Saul. David's mighty men, him and his men, they're in his cave. Here comes Saul. The Bible says to cover his feet. I'll let you study that out. But while he's in there, all of David's men said, Here he is. Here he is. Here's your chance, David. But David didn't get his direction from men. Spirit knows, knows the mind of God, the heart of God, the will of God. David got his direction from God. It's amazing. His men told him not to go to Keala, but he did because God said, and then his men told him to kill Saul when he had the opportunity, but he wouldn't because of God. David didn't get his direction from men. Like, that's what the flesh does. You've got to find out what everybody else is doing, what everybody else thinks, kind of put your, what feels good, what makes sense. David didn't, this is the, if, you, if your goal is to kill the enemy, then David is one of the greatest fools. Because David had an opportunity, and he'll have another one. But yet he did not take it. And even though his men are telling him, this is God, David said, no, this ain't God. Isn't it amazing? Saul said, this is God, when it wasn't. And all of David's men were saying, this is God. God's delivered him into your hand. And David said, no, this isn't God. See, the flesh doesn't know, but the Spirit always knows when it's God and when it's not. In verse 5, the Bible says, verse 4, cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. I'm, looking, I'm interested in verse 5. And it came to pass afterward, look here, David's heart smote him because he cut off Saul's skirt. I want you to notice here, David did not, he didn't, Stab Saul, obviously. He didn't cut off an arm. He didn't cut off a leg. He didn't cut off a finger. 
He didn't even cut off a hair. He cut off a piece of his clothes. And when David did that, his heart smote him. David, as far as I know, he didn't break a rule, break a law, break a Bible verse. He did not touch God's anointed. And that, and that verse, not even in the Bible yet at this point, it wasn't even known yet, but the principle, principles there in Genesis. But, but David didn't need a verse. He, he knew. I don't need to touch. This is God. God put this man where he's at. And I'm not going to touch him. But isn't it amazing how that Saul can rebel against God like he did? Saul seeks to kill David. Saul gives Saul had just murdered 85 priests and sleeps like a baby at night. But all David does is cut off a piece of his robe and his heart's about to kill him. Let me ask you a question. I'm moving on. I'm about to. How close can you get to sin before it bothers you? David didn't sin, but he got close. And his heart smote him. How, how, how close can you get? Your flesh cannot discern conviction of God. It doesn't know what grieves God or what pleases God. That carnal man, he's quenched and grieved the Holy Ghost so much that he can just do whatever he pleases without even getting bothered by it. You know, some people brag about it. They say, well, I've never been convicted of that. Hey, look up here. I wouldn't be bragging about that. Well, I've never felt bad about that. I've never been convicted. Really, you've never been convicted about that? I think that says more about you than what you want it to. Amen. Carnal man, he don't feel bad about anything. The flesh cannot discern the conviction of God. It's never bothered by what it does. I'm going to give you one more and I'm done. The flesh... A king who didn't know. He didn't know the conception of his longings. He didn't know the conviction of the Lord. But he couldn't figure out the condition of his life. He never could really discern the condition of his own life. In chapter 24, verses 9 through 15, we have an interaction between David and Saul. That's an interesting study if you want to do that. Look at all the times David and Saul interacted one with another. If you want to know, your, does your flesh and your faith ever talk to each other? If you want some pretty good stuff, look at what David said. Remember when they met out there in, in the valley of Elah down there and Saul told David, uh, you can't do that. David said, oh, I have and I can and I will. Your flesh ever told you can't do that. Your faith rises up and says, oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, we've done. And David said, oh, you, uh, Saul said, hey, you need this armor. That's what you need. And, and faith says, no, nah, we don't need that. Faith says, oh yeah, if you're going to win, you got to have this. Faith says, nah, nah, I don't need that. I got God. Amen. You want to see some good flesh and faith interactions, just, just track Saul and David in their conversation. But you got one right here. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Because when David comes and talks to Saul, verse 9, chapter 24, David said to Saul, wherefore hearest thou, look here, he said, men's words. You know, that's what spirit will do. It'll convict you about listening to men's words instead of God's words. So you've been listening to what people say instead of what God's doing. Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. That's a lie. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen to know the Lord deliver thee today, to, today into my hand, hand in the cave. And he goes on, but 
verse 12, The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. When the Spirit talks, you know what he wants to talk about? He wants to talk about judgment. And he wants to talk about sin. That's what the Bible says. That's what David's talking about. He gets to verse 13. David gives this little proverb. He says, as the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked. You know what David's saying? In a respectful way, David is telling Saul, look at your life and look at my life. Look at how you live and look at how I live. Look at what you're doing. Look at what I'm doing. And we could tell who's right and who's wrong. Wickedness comes out of the wicked. Here's what that means. The reason people do what they do is because they are who they are. And the reason David was acting one way and Saul was acting another way is because of who they are. Somebody said when people show you who they are, believe them. (laughs) When the flesh shows you what it is, believe them. Instead of acknowledging his wickedness, the only thing Saul can really squeak out is, Verse 17 says, well, you've been more righteous than I. Well, that's, a different than say, that's different than saying, hey, I'm wicked. Well, I'm just not as righteous as you are. I'll tell you one thing the flesh never likes to admit. It never likes to admit, I'm wicked. The reason this coming out, oh, Brother Roloff, you say, what's in the well is going to come up in the bucket. If it keeps coming out, it's because there's junk on the inside. The flesh never likes it. Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I just make a mistake every now and then. I just mess up every now and then. The flesh never wants it because it always wants to be the solution. But your flesh cannot be the solution when your flesh is the problem. Saul never repents. He goes back to hunting David just a couple chapters later. The flesh can never see itself as the problem. Saul was just the king who didn't know. He couldn't figure out anything. And that's the way our flesh is as well. No discernment. Self-deceived. And that was Saul. Is it you? What's the last thing the Holy Ghost convicted you about? When's the last time God convicted you about something? If it's been a while, either one or two things. Number one, you're perfect in every way. Or number two, you just ain't listening. You're not discerning his correction in your life. Some of y'all are just guessing. You're you're guessing what you're going to preach Sunday. You're guessing what you're going to do. You're guessing what the next move is. You're guessing what... And you're just living your life guessing. When what you need to do is you need to die to the flesh. Get filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Because David knows. The Spirit knows. God knows. Quit guessing. And live in that knowledge that comes. That discernment that comes from the Spirit-filled life. Let's stand together.